the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. One of my favorite shows of the year, the year end review. We're going to talk about the top spenders, the top earners, the most viewed players and teams on SpotTrack.com in 2022, and then some some awards to hand out. Cousin Dan, Scott Allen, and myself have a little roundtable discussion about some of the bigger contracts, trades, transactions, and some future thoughts about what could be in 2023. That's coming up next. All right, Scott, Dan, it's the year-end review. It's one of my favorite shows of the year. We get to look back at the top spenders, the top viewed players, the top viewed teams. It's the usual suspects. There's some new ones this year. I'm going to let you drive, Scott, because you did a lot of this data work. And Dan and I are going to be kind of the talking heads to say what was right and what was wrong about 2022. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, let's start with the most viewed players. Uh, number one, Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's any surprise. Tom Brady in the top five. Once again, the guy just doesn't go away just like he does on the field. Uh, LeBron James came in at number three. I don't think there's any surprise by that one either. Uh, Russell Wilson at number four and rounding out the top five. Stephen Curry. Yeah, with Deshaun lurking, right? Yes, right behind him. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I don't think there's any surprises here no. with what went on in the, in the year of 2022 with all these players between championships or contracts, trades, w- whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, Tom I'm Brady, a little surprised I, Aaron Judge isn't here. I, I am too. He was one of the top-viewed players. Uh, you know, for Major League Baseball, obviously, but I'd have to go back and double check. He may have been close, but, you know, the NFL just is dominant overall as far as going to players themselves. I'll, I'll admit I'm a little surprised that Aaron Rodgers is the number one player research. I mean, I, I expect I would expect him to be towards the top of this list, but, um, he, you know, he's not like the elite superstar that he once was in the league. I know he's, you know, I think that's why he's here. I think it's all about the questions. Yeah, I guess so. I I guess I'm just saying that um, contractually speaking, I I think there were some bigger stories this year that that's a little bit surprising to me. But um, we do know this has been a year by year um, thing with him. So I I guess it does make sense. Just a little surprising. I'll I'll put back a little bit on that because uh, of the day to day. To me, I, I bet the average Joe listening to this is surprised that Deshaun Watson isn't first because that was, you know, the contract, the trade, the the legal stuff, all of that combined was probably the biggest sports story of the year in terms of what we follow. But he just went away for 11 weeks. He literally just, just went off the face of the NFL earth for 11 weeks based on that suspension. Aaron Rodgers didn't. And in fact, you had the whole offseason of was he going to retire? Was he going to leave? Were they going to trade him? Then he got the guaranteed 150 million. Then they played like dog shit for six weeks, right? So the Aaron Rodgers were always in vogue, and now they're still in vogue because they're a playoff contender. So uh, I just think that the dysfunction kept him at the top of the list and, and still relevant. And I guess Brady is in that same boat: the, the retirement, the unretirement, the dog shit ten weeks. Now they're in the playoffs, winning the division again. So. You kind of need that chaos. That's the NBA in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> like, you need chaos and you need shit to yeah. just blow up in your face to to stay relevant. The NFL had a lot of that this offseason, a lot. Yeah, they did. To add to the Aaron Rodgers situation, I mean, him being on the Pat, yeah. Pat McAfee show, you know, the exposure, 
the yeah. – with Rodgers, it's not just about the football. It was the things that – the intangibles off the field, if intangibles is even the right word at this point. But, you know, the things that were off the field from a celebrity standpoint that some people would have gravitated that aren't necessarily – going to mm-hmm. look for contract information similar with too. Tom Brady with, with yeah. the boards and all that. So I think and that's obviously those two. Yep. Yeah. That, and, and that's all so valid. I, I guess I'm just trying to say the Roger stuff, like to your point, seems like it was so like for us being a financial website, I feel like a lot of his spotlight was sort of yeah. away from the, the financial stuff in this, yeah, the contract this year. Like 15th almost the Aaron Rodgers drama, isn't it? Which is crazy because yeah, right. it's, it's a that, huge problem. <laughs> that's what I mean, I think. And really, the, the contract stuff was all in the offseason with the Russ Wilson and the Denver stuff. I mean, since the year, like specifically over the last couple months here, I haven't really heard too much um, about the contract situation, but I could be wrong. I guess that's my only point is that a lot of his attention, I know like we directly – um, get views based on what's going on in the news, whether mm-hmm. it's financial specific fin- to financials or not. But um, that was just a little bit surprising to me that he, for a financial website, that he was our most viewed, you know, player. From yeah, that's because, I was going to say, that's because if he comes up in the news, whether it's sports news yeah, it or matter. just regular news, people are just yeah. going to go and say, how much does Aaron Rodgers make? And we're right there. Or he's so, right, a $50 million quarterback. Yeah, that he's sort of labeled that way now, you know, and Deshaun Watson is labeled as the fully guaranteed quarterback in contract. So it's just kind of becoming mass media, you know. It's just how he, these guys are being stated out loud now. What about the team, Scott? Um, I, I can tell you right now, there's a team not here that I'm shocked about. Go ahead and list them out, our top viewed teams of 2022. Yeah, this year was uh, different than years in the past where Major League Baseball actually had three of the top five. Yankees yeah. rounding out the top, uh, then Golden State, Green Bay, the, the Dodgers, and then the Mets. So, I mean, baseball had a great yeah, year. Yeah, and what team as- are we missing that I'm surprised about? It's a football team. The Cowboys? Absolutely. The Cowboys are finally freaking good, and nobody gives a rat's ass. Right? And nobody trusts the them. top five. Absolutely, because they're, we're talk- this time of year especially, we're talking about how they're going to blow it up and start over because they're an underachieving team. Now they're not. They can actually win the division next week. So it's that's funny to me that they, they finally settle into a situation that's working and people just start to tune out, even though you know the, the mass media won't. They'll be all over them here soon. Three out of five baseball teams, Dan. What do you think? <clears throat> None of them are surprising, right? Major markets, the big spenders. Yeah translates to to website you know web traffic on our end so yeah i not no surprises there i i don't even know who i would look um at as being left out of that group i mean that's kind of the big three so all right we're going to circle back to this at the very last segment of this but uh scott let's move on a little bit what else you got for us yeah, so most viewed articles uh, that we had this year uh, number one was aaron judge's contract series which you know had a lot of legs all season with uh, his record performance. Our 22 NBA offseason preview that Keith had done for us did really well. Uh, Shohei Otani, his next contract series, that was a, a number three. And then your 
you're freeing up a hundred million dollars in Rams cap space did really well. Uh, a lot of people yeah. were interested in that. And I, it, the other one, um, would you do the saints? I think uh, mm -hmm. that did really well too, but that Rams one did outstanding. So I hope you end up doing that going into 23 with some of these other teams that are going to be strapped going into the next season. And then our Super Bowl quarterback cap percentages where we broke down uh, the winner and loser in the Super Bowl from a quarterback cap perspective to see what the average is or what the median is and how things uh, flush out, and especially, you know, that's going to be important going into 23 and beyond with some of these large uh, cap percentages. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where that ends up this year because we got a lot of high paid quarterbacks, at least in the conversation still. Um, at some point that trend's going to buck, you know, where the middle, the middle of the road paid quarterback in terms of salary cap, um, always kind of gets to the finish line and next year specifically with this cap jumping up to 225, maybe even 230, you know, all that's going to do is help the Deshaun Watsons of the world that are carrying 50 million plus right now and Rogers at 48 or whatever it is. So the league seems to be keeping up with it, even though teams won't represent themselves that way. You know what I mean? They're, they're still going to feel like they have to restructure and lowball half of the league in order to keep these big quarterback contracts relevant. But I, I'm excited. I, we haven't had a top paid quarterback ever win, Scott, ever, 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 ever. Do you think it's going to happen in the next three to five years? Do you think we're going to change that? Um, I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes yeah. for the fact that the, uh, like you mentioned, the percentage or the cap itself is going to go up uh, a crazy yeah. amount next year. And then, you know, whatever the subsequent years are going to be. But teams are getting smarter with how they're allocating their money. And with the jump that's going to happen, it, it you know, teams are going to be able to afford a higher quarterback and then, you know, especially mm -hmm. with the rollover, the, the NFL allows you to roll over cap space. So if they, you know, massage that cap effectively in the next couple of years, yeah, I could definitely see one of those yeah, higher. I think so too. All right, I've got a I've got a list here of the top earning players by by sport. How many do you think we can guess here? <laughs> if we weren't looking at a list, how many do you think? I mean, how many stand off the pages? Oh, that makes sense. From a cash perspective, obviously Steph Curry in the NBA, is that going to change? Are there players coming up, Scott, that are going to blow past him soon? Yeah, some of them that are getting into the high 50s, 60s at some point will pass him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is just nuts. We're, I can't believe we're approaching 70 in the NBA, but it's happening. Um, Max Scherzer with the Mets, obviously, and now he's got... Justin Verlander tied at the hip at the exact same financials. Matthew Stafford made 61 with his signing bonus. Um, and he's got another 68 locking in next March. That's, again, why he's not retiring people. Um, how about some of these these smaller sports, or at least in terms of our neck of the woods, Scott? What, do you, what stood out to you there? Uh, in the MLS, there was a $14 million player. That was the highest that has ever been. That might get bucked yeah. if you know, in a couple of years, but 14 million was the highest. I think the next highest may have been around nine. So uh, quite a big jump there. 
Lewis Hamilton, $40 million for F1 racing, obviously with the drive to survive and all of that, you know, that's come to but the line. He didn't win, right? He did not win. Max Verstappen still, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he locked in a five-year extension. So he's, he's at some point probably going to get up there, especially if he continues to win. But in that sport, $40 million for, for Hamilton. Um, I think one thing that actually stood out to me was in golf. McElroy yeah. ended up with a total of $40.5 million. And that's off course or off course on course, the bonuses that they, they put out there. So he actually jumped up right up with the rest of these other uh, high paid athletes and other sports. You know, I looked quick at that because I was, I was intrigued and I wonder if other people are as well. Uh, when Rory won that, that championship, that tour championship and got the, what was it? The $15 million bonus. Is that what it was this year? Uh, 18, I believe it was this year. Yeah. Crazy. Um, it was pretty important for the PGA that Rory won that and it put him into 40 million because I clicked over to live golf on our site <laughs> yep. and Dustin Johnson was at 36 million this year with his live earnings. Correct. It, it, it was very important that a PGA player made more than the, the top live earner this year. That's not going to happen every year. It's just not, might not happen next year. And at some point in time, that narrative is going to change. But I thought for year one, it was important that Rory did what he did. So we'll see if that translates to 2022. And anybody stand off the list here? I mean, not from like a good perspective, like Tyler Sagan, though, as being the the <laughs> highest earner in the NHL. I mean, that's a classic case of a player that was, you know, a point of game player for most of his career, gets a major contract, uh, you know, at his late 20s, early 30s and kind of falls off. So um, and it's it was- super jaded, right, because everything's tied to the cap. You can only you can only max out at twenty percent of of whatever the cap is when you sign your extension, so somebody's going to blow past you, and then it just sticks at that AAV basically for the rest of your life, knowing how these NHL contracts work on eight years. So, it's right. and how it's super how jaded. NHL... You got to take like a you got to take like a three year cash, you know, flow look to see who kind of um, really does the damage. I mean, Sagan's on a long term contract, so he's going to stick there for a bit, but. You know, a couple of these younger guys are gonna are gonna push past them, especially with the news that the cap is finally gonna increase in the NHL. Well, yeah, and that's what her. I mean, to to be real, these these kind of contracts exist all over sports, but it's just the NHL does not allow a lot of flexibility to get out or move these kind types of contracts, so they become anchors. Whereas in the NBA, uh, you know, the NFL, you can always move a contract and still have cap flexibility. Um, it doesn't really work like that in the NHL. So we see players like Tyler Sagan um, at the back end of his career being anchors with um, big financial price tags. I'm going to throw a tangent into this conversation before we move on, guys. In the next iteration of the Major League Baseball CBA, Dan, should the Players Association be pushing for a max contract length? Like like what happened with the NHL. I don't I really don't have a good enough handle on the nuances of what would happen. My gut off the cuff reaction is is no. I mean I I guess I'm curious to hear your your perspective. I mm-hmm. think no. I mean, I feel like any cap any limitation is 
going to have indirect consequences in terms of the overall financial earning, um, which yep. it's something the, 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 the players association and the players specifically never, they never want to forfeit that. So I'd be hesitant to say that, but um, I don't know. What do you Scott, think? Are, are you asking what you think? No, I'm going around the room here. Go ahead, Scott. Me, I, me personally, I think, yes, they should have a, a max length. I mean, the NBA has it, NHL has it to a certain extent, even though it's still probably too long in my mind. Um, I just think it allows for transactions to happen more frequently. Like in the NBA, we're already talking about, you know, a guy that's going to be a free agent in two years or, you know, when if someone is an expiring contract with, you know, or an extension with two years left. It, I, I think it facilitates more conversation and those superstars are in the spotlight more often than, you know, Trey Turner signs 13 years. We're not going to talk about his contract ever again because he's going to be yep. so far down the line. So I'd rather see these guys, you know, from a, a, a sports financial transaction standpoint, being in that spotlight more often. I get it. They want that long-term guaranteed money, but the money is getting, you know, so stupid at this point that I'd rather them. Uh, I think you're on the same boat as far as get the short-term high AV, high salary, and then hit it again. Um, but that's that's where I'm at at this point. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in between somewhere here um, because I, I I know how this would work initially and maybe it would start to change but maybe not um i think dan hit the nail on the head there with any inch you give the owners they're going to take it and they're going to win <laughs> so um the second you start saying they can only do an eight-year contract there's no guarantee that that's going to mean an extra five million per year on the aav it's just there's no guarantee they're going to say look this is what the rules are you're a 30 million dollar player Nothing changes that for us. Take it or leave it. I, so I, I do think that would be problem number one. Problem number two is, unless you supplement that change with a, with a change in the, in the six-year team control process, then an eight-year contract still gets a player to 35, 36 years old. And that's not good, right? Because now you're finishing an eight-year contract and you hope you want to play for two to three more years and you are guaranteed to make five million or less for the next couple of years whereas harper judge seager those guys they're gonna make 40 you know in years that they don't deserve it but it's the trade-off for allowing 13-year contracts it's the trade-off for having six years of team control so as ugly and as messy and chaotic and really stupid as it is and it has been forever there's actually a, a balance to it right now the owners win forever and then when these superstars turn 38, the players finally get to win, which stinks because they're actually losing. They're actually batting 190 and hitting three home runs, but making $35 million to do it. So it's, I, I don't think, I don't think that the change would do exactly what we want to do ever. And that's why I think it's never been brought up. I think it's yeah. on paper, it looks great, but the owners have won so many times. Why wouldn't they win in that regard as well? That's my stance. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess to cut this up in two ways, Scott, your your point I think is is the right point for the the financial the the healthiest version financially mm -hmm. of the sport. Um, and I I guess I'm to put it a different way, what they 
could what they will do and what they should do are going to be two different things and i do think that they're always going to keep um that high that lengthy high end um the promise of 400 million dollar contract on the books um rather than kind of cutting off their foot with with the length but i mean like mike said there's so many different inner you know intertwining variables that we really can't even begin to quantify until they right. start to tinker with with this format and i will say this yeah. though the the prevalence of these pre-arab and arab extensions is really promising because now you're getting into the nba world scott a little bit where 24 year olds get their second contract and it's not the biggest contract in the world but it's also not uh you know a a, a con conformed arbitration process where you're getting one year tenders and for the most part, some of them are still pretty ugly, but for the most part, guys are getting out of these things at 31, 32. So you could essentially pull on another six year contract and, and give yourself maybe even maybe a little less than what you would have made on 13 for 350 or whatever it was going to be. But you give yourself the ability to have some control around age 30. You know, if you want to change teams now, you have the ability to do that. And I know there's some no trade clauses being built in now to kind of counter that point as well. But, um, you know, Scott, to your point, it, this has to come on the actual player and agent, not so much the CBA and the Players Association. Yeah. Somebody has so, to walk in the door and say, I only want a five-year contract, and it's got to be a minimum of 25 a year. Let's talk. No, yeah, I'm not going Carlos, six. Yeah, Carlos Correa with the Minnesota Twins is saying, I'm yeah. going short and then jump back in. Yeah, yeah. somebody's got to walk in the door and demand, I want to be out of this contract by age 30. And then I, we start I, to play ball. I wonder, I'm going to float this out there. It could be another conversation for another time, but I'll just float it out there right now. I, I'm curious to wonder, curious to know if down the line they allow the 13 year deals, but then similar to the NFL where prorated signing bonus is only out five mm -hmm. years, if the luxury tax is only goes out seven of the a maximum of seven years. And you can yeah. pay them as long as you want. But for luxury tax purposes, it's based off of an X amount of years. Can I vote that we just – can I vote no for that? I mean, the baseball luxury tax system is so freaking complicated. <laughs> Let's not make it any more complicated for our purposes. Yeah. All right. Um, that's let's really go on to the awards here, guys. Go ahead. Just to put a broad stroke on it, I mean, that's really what we're getting at with this whole thing is it's so convoluted at this point. Yeah. And to see, you know, the, the luxury tax – pre-arb, minor league, everything is so difficult to wrap your head around now that the system really almost needs to just be torn down and restarted from the ground up. And in terms of CBA, also why the owners always win. You right, can't get right. enough public, all the public You can't get enough public knowledge behind the players because it's so ar arbitrary. You know what I mean? Oh, well, Judge is a $19 million player last year. That's fine. We're just going to accept it. Nobody really knows. You know what I mean? unless you're actually putting some math behind it. So I, I, I agree that simplification would help the players, but I don't think we're going to get there. <laughs> Scott, you ready for some awards? I know yeah, these are going to be controversial because I've done my own list. I hope you guys have a, a small list yourself. Um, I want to start with the extension of the year, our 2022 extension of the year. This is across all sports. For the most part, I think we've all kept it to the major four sports. Does anybody have a hockey player? I didn't get there. No. What? Um, I'll, oh, I'll loop that into something later. But oh, yeah. I like it. 
I like it. Bury the lead with some NHL talk, Dan. Uh, my extension of the year is a baseball player. It is not one of the players on the teams that were the most viewed this year for Spot Track. Um, it is Dan's neck of the woods. It is Cleveland Guardians third baseman Jose Ramirez. I, I don't have a strong stance on this outside of the fact that Cleveland just doesn't do this ever, like literally ever. This is a $141 million contract, which is $81 million more than any Cleveland player has ever signed for ever in the history of ever. So that's that's number one, why this is a great extension, um, because it's an organization that's near the bottom of payroll every year saying this player is absolutely worth our time for the next seven years at a, at a near maximum price for what we can offer. And then, and Dan, I think you can speak to this, we all kind of came into 2022 saying this is a team that might just have to sell parts and go back down to the bottom of those payrolls because they kind of went all in for a bunch of years. Then they traded off some pitchers and, and let some guys walk in free agency. And that's just kind of the cycle that those smaller markets have to deal with. You, you go up for a couple of years, then you got to bring it mostly all the way back down, reset your payroll, reset your finances, and then you can start to push again. But this extension was basically an, a dart into the into the window that said, no, 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 we're going nowhere. In fact, we're going to push and we're going to let Ramirez be the grandfather on this team of kids. And it damn near got, it, it did get them the division title and it damn near got them into the third round of the playoffs this year. Um, I, I know this isn't going to be the popular decision as the extension of the year, but we don't see those kind of moves, especially in baseball, where it's almost like ch a charitable contract because a player has earned it over the years and it's a leap of faith that this one contract can turn the franchise around for the next three years that's essentially what's happened with this deal so i, I give it more clout than i think most people will but uh those are my bullet points on jose ramirez seven years 141 million scott you're up yeah i'm going with my neck of the woods in the nba i'm going with uh zion williamson for the fact yeah. that coming in into 2022, we had no clue what the heck was going on with the Pelicans, with Zion. He was, you know, ghosting everybody. You know, if you saw an image of him, you, you know, everyone was talking about, you know, what he looked like or what he was doing. And for the Pelicans to be where they're at now in the standings and having locked him up, they obviously knew something in the background. Uh, that we did not know. So I give kudos to the Pelicans for just sort of slow playing it on their end. But that contract, And they built on the proper injury guarantee stuff and protection. They right? did. They did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he got the five-year, 194 estimated max. And obviously that could change going into next year if the salary cap goes up more. But, you know, that right now could be massive value. Him and Morant, you know, that those – could probably be even higher based on their production in the next five years. So sure. there's going to be massive value for that. But for everything that went on with the Pelicans in the Zion situation, I'm going with his extension. Can the Mets borrow some of those injury protections for Carlos Correa, please? <laughs> Dan, what do you got? Um, I'll kind of piggyback I, I mean i will i do want to talk about the jose ramirez thing for just to kind of play off your point really any fan of sports should kind of love that contract oh um, yeah just in, it's like the most romantic version of sports that anyone ever thinks of you know a, a a player that's beloved by a team um you know especially a small market team that 
is never in the running for major free agents. Once you get a superstar, um, you don't let them go or else you don't, you, you really don't get them back. So um, the, the fact that most Cleveland people thought he was out the door already, um, were sort of already committed to the Francisco Lindor track where, you know, you, you, it's a soft landing because you are, you knew it was coming two years in advance. Instead, this is basically a player who wanted to be in Cleveland and probably, I mean, what do we think? Left $150 million maybe? I was just about to say, he's a $30 million player for the Dodgers, right? Yeah, he probably left between $150 yeah. and $200 million on the table to stay there. Um, he basically said to his agent, get it done. This is this is a number I'm fine with. Like So it was it, it caught everybody by surprise and really shifted the dynamics of like the direction Cleveland was going to go. Um, I mean, we saw how young their team was with a lot of young prospects getting playing time this past year. Um, but that would have went drastically different without like an anchor superstar like Jose Ramirez there. Um, and, and it kind of flipped everything to the point where they're 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 now building and contending rather than I'm um, kind of retooling on the fly. So I really like that as a contender. Um, just to throw another one out there, I think the Julio Rodriguez contract is going to like be mm-hmm. talked about 10 years from now as just like a ridiculous value. Um, this this is the player probably on the short list of um, maybe the best player in the game in a couple years from now. Like this is a Mike, Tr- Mike Trout type player. Um, it could be 30 home runs, 120 RBIs, 30 plus stolen bases, um, incredible center fielder. And they locked him up in the middle of his first year. Um, you know, he struggled to start the year and then just basically blew the doors off the league. So um, I, I think at the end of the day, we're going to look and, and count how much money he left on the table. But at the same time, he locks up over $2 million. Um, <clears throat> so it's good all around. I, I just, I th- like to Mike's earlier point about these like pre-ARB and ARB extensions, we're seeing this with some like major superstar players like Wander Franco the year prior. Mm-hmm. Now Julio Rodriguez, if you know Ronald Acuna was already locked up, guys like that, they're all of a sudden not going to be on the free agent market. So from our perspective, you know, once if this, we're kind of looking and saying who's going to get 50, 60 million dollars a year. It's going to be this group of players that are maybe not necessarily elite down the line when guys like Julio yeah. Rodriguez, Acuna are getting locked up, um, you know, before. So, it's so I really cousin. thought, <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Everybody yep. else signed a contract and he said no. So he got the free agent contract, but it wasn't necessarily the biggest thing in the world. Right. Right. So yeah. I, I just think that's going to be a really impactful um, extension that we, we see here. I almost picked it, and I almost picked it for a different reason, Dan. Just the creativity that they built in, yes. all those freaking conditions. Mike. We're going to have to come back to it every year and reassess what what he might now get because of war, because of MVP votes, because of, yeah, you know what I mean? There are so many conditions. So uh, it, that's never going to go away from us because he's going to have a chance yeah. to trigger all sorts of money throughout the next six, seven years. Right. And as we see these contracts get so high in terms of AAV, I think there's going to have to be more creativity built in from both a player and a team perspective where like a player like Carlos Correa might not get the market he thought he had and then signs a short term deal with creative opt outs and then 
you know, goes back into free agency this year. We all know how that's been going. But now, even with the Mets, it sounds like he, that contract is going to have to get creative in terms of, like, injury, um, you know, yeah. quality, notes on injuries or opt-outs because of that stuff. So I, I think as, you know, we're not talking about $8 million here, $10 million where a team's okay flushing it. I, I mean, when we're at – I know they have, like – protections against injuries and insurance and all that stuff. But when you're talking about three, four, five hundred million dollars a year, Otani, 50, 60 million dollars AAV, there's got to be some some safety net built in on both sides. And and I really think we're starting to see some of the creativity um, from both yeah. sides here. So. Yeah, I agree with that across probably majority of these sports now. I mean, in the NBA, we're starting to see some of these injury protections. You know, Embiid had it where, you know, if he didn't meet a certain – uh, minutes threshold or it was based off of a, a specific injury you know it would trigger you know you can cut them with this much savings or you know scott by the way i'm reading that that's what the mets are trying to get done with correa it's never been done it's it's not legal in the current cba but basically steve cohen has gone to rob manfred and said look we want this guy we want to pay this guy what he's worth but we got to have some way to get out of this if that need you know or whatever it is hip or yeah. back yeah i, yeah, so I, I would love to see more. those nba protections yeah yeah i would love to see more of that kind of creativity I, i'm curious in the nba you know there's a trade bonus that could happen you know if i'm traded i get x amount of percent and i, I wonder if in major league baseball we start to get to that point because of the no trade clauses or anything with that you know if it, they go to that level of creativity of if i get traded you owe me 10 percent of whatever is left over you know there's a small version of that um but i wonder if uh you're right some some more language starts to get built in with especially with the big spending the mets have done this year and sort, sort of the shot to the dark right Let's let's flip the trade, Dan. What do you got for us? Your trade of the year. So this is what I. So I'll I'll take one for the team and talk NHL for us. So I think one of the most underrated trades, and maybe all of sports, was the the Matthew Kachuk Jonathan Uberdo trade. Um, yeah. For for a number of reasons, specifically, I mean, there was so Matthew could talk in Calgary. There was smoke um, around that for a while. A while guy as a restricted free agent seems like they couldn't extend him. Um, Jonathan Uberdo in 2021 just had an absolutely incredible year. Um, was due for a contract, and those two teams um, were both Stanley Cup contenders and swapped their superstars, and then gave both of them extensions. So. Um, that's why I, I was kind of I wanted to lump this into the trade of the year extension of the year in terms of NHL, because I think it kind of covers both of those um, where we don't really see these like, quote, hockey trades um, that then turn into like massive, massive um, long term extensions. So I thought that was a really interesting. One. <clears throat> I, I was trying to think of another situation where this happened, Scott, probably the NBA, right? A superstar for superstar. But can you remember one where it was basically we just got, a, I guess, Simmons? Is it Simmons and Harden? Is that the closest example we have of that? Yeah. Yeah, I probably. I mean, Harden, the Houston to Brooklyn, it was we just got to move on from Harden because he's yeah. being a pain. But for superstar, for superstar, you're probably right. That's probably the closest of most recent. God, I'd love to see it in the NFL. I mean, I guess Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff is sort of, sort of in this conversation. Although, uh, you know, 
you know, I guess it is. It, that has to be. Jared Goff made a Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford was the number one overall pick. That's in this conversation, but it's rare. There's no question it's rare. Um, Scott, mine's going to take 11 minutes to do. So do you want to go first? Yeah, I have like a 1A and a 1B. I okay. can't believe I'm sticking with the Pelicans, but I'm going to go CJ McCollum from the NBA yeah. for that trade for the reason of they brought McCollum in. He's been a mentor to Zion and some of those other kids. And it that's – Oh, by the way, been, he's really good. <laughs> he, oh, 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 by the way, he's really good. But that's really been the springboard for that franchise really turning around. And they're mm-hmm. gelling. They, they've made some sneaky young signings uh, that are on that roster. They're, they're very deep right now from a roster construction standpoint. Uh, so I, I'm going with the McCollum trade for that, the culture, and just, you know, taking a next step for a small market that's usually the butt of a lot of jokes. And then my 1B is going to be Ridley to Jacksonville for mm. how that Jacksonville team is looking. To go and get that that player, yes, he was suspended for the year, but to go and get that wide receiver to help level up, it, it's, a, you know, it's almost like a free agent signing that you're getting going into next year. And um, so I think that's going to be gangbusters with how that Jacksonville Jaguars team is looking right now. I like that one a lot. I'm mad I didn't think of it. I'm in the I'm in the NFL as well with my trade, um, and it's for negative reasons. My trade is Russell Wilson, um, just because of the impact this thing's going to have. So I'm not going to go. I'm not going to get in my soapbox with this because I've done articles and podcasts specifically, you know, referencing it. The Seattle version of this is franchise changing. It, it it literally stops them from bottoming out immediately. Obviously, Geno Smith playing good football is helping, but they have they have an unlimited amount of options now because of the, the capital they received from this from this trade. So obviously they've won, and Denver has a long way to go here. But because of what was given up, and I I did some homework on this. I mean, at age thirty three. By the way, Russ is only thirty three. <laughs> He's not. We kind of put him with those Rodgers and, and other those other veteran quarterbacks. He's not even close. He's five years younger than most of these guys, even though he looks way freaking older. Two first, two seconds of fifth, and three players. The, you can say that that's the going rate for a starting quarterback, but look, there's just – there's you had to sign him. You were forced to signing him because of what you gave up. So my trade of the year is a disaster – because it then turned into the one of the worst contracts that the NFL has ever seen. And we're going to be saying that for a long time, even if they get a coach that can kind of right the ship. That contract was massively unnecessary, but it was forced into action because of this trade, because of the new ownership, because it was the big, bright, you know, shiny toy that came to town and scored $180 million fully guaranteed. So it's a negative. We'll see if it can turn more into a positive next year. Um, I had two honorable mentions real quick. Uh, the Rudy Gobert trade from Utah to Minnesota. The Timberwolves are literally falling apart of the pieces as they're trying to be sold, which is the funniest thing in the world. Uh, they gave up, what was it, five firsts for a defensive center. So that's on watch for sure as maybe the worst NBA trade in the history of the NBA. Is that – I mean, yep. that's not even – No, high that's, fair. Right? that's fair. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And then literally a couple weeks later – Donovan Mitchell goes to the Cavaliers for basically the same compensation. He's younger. He does way more from a productivity standpoint. Might be the best move of the year. Cavs might be a number three, number four seed in the East. Might be the best move of the year. The Knicks, the Knicks thought they were getting it. The Cavs did get it. 
So just a couple of, uh, of sneaky, sneaky, good slash bad moves. Um, free agency. It was a big free agent year. Dan, where do you sit with this? What sport are you going down for your free agent signing of the year? Hmm. Um, I think Von Miller's uh, in this conversation, right? Yeah, I'm, that's mine, actually. Okay, go ahead, really, Scott. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Scott. We'll, we'll let Dan circle similar, back. Similar conversation with uh, C.J. McCollum. Yeah. Bringing Von Miller in for a culture guy that, you know, a franchise that has spent years working around getting the right culture guys in there and then bringing in a Von Miller to try to go to that next step. Um, and I think I talked about this at the mid-level NFL or mid-year mm -hmm. NFL pod that we did, but I'm still on the Von Miller situation with the, the culture, you know, helping the young guys, bringing in a work ethic, you know, it, I there's something to be said for even if you have to overpay for a guy like that, you know, it really helps change the direction of a franchise that's already going in an upward trajectory. And I just think I, that is. It, it was my honorable mention, Scott. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tangent off that a little bit. It wasn't even about the money for me. Um, and it wasn't even that the Bills went above and beyond to get him in the door. It's that he chose Buffalo. He chose the Buffalo Bills over Dallas, over Los Angeles, over San Francisco, over teams that are in the same byline as Buffalo from a standing standpoint. But he he chose to come to this team, to, to the Buffalo Bills. So that just doesn't happen. You know, it, it's a testament to what they've built to where they're going. Um, so, yeah, all things combined, it was definitely in my top two. Dan, where are you sitting with this? It's kind of hard to quantify because I, I feel like so many of these are like over. I feel like some of my thoughts on these are overlapping. But yeah. Um, in kind of an inverse way, I'm going to say the I'm going to stick MLB and say the Freddie Freeman contract signing more more so just that entire scenario. Um, it kind the of drama. leads into like ex the the extension of the year. Um, like we heard forever the whole off season about you know sorry after after they won a World Series we immediately started hearing is Freddie going to stay? Are they going to sign him? There was drama there from the start. Um, it drags on to the point where Atlanta trades for Matt Olson, immediately signs him to a lengthy major extension, which signaled the end to Freddie Freeman. It seems like Freddie Freeman was kind of caught off guard, ends up right. signing a contract with um, with the Dodgers and then almost immediately fires his agent, Casey Close. Um, so there's a lot of like inner like Be crying at one point in time. Right, yeah, crying like about having field, to go back like, and how how bad, right? Right, that whole emo super emotional return to Atlanta, um, where he like literally cried for the entire series. I, I mean, I don't blame him or anything. I'm just saying that whole that whole thing, like in terms of a baseball thing, like we've talked about Aaron Judge at nauseum. Like I, I don't need to express my thoughts on that anymore. Just in terms of like a unique yeah. contract, I think that is. I mean. He ends up in a great scenario. They're going to be World Series contenders probably throughout the rest of his career. But it just feels like that was the one um, that that got away. But Atlanta has done like a good PR job on the back end. They got Matt Olson and they have all these other guys um, signed to these, you know, cushy pre-arb extensions that they really haven't suffered any, you know, flack no. for, for maybe kind of botching that. And then like now how they handled the like how things went with the Swanson stuff. So. Um, do you think they feel like they botched it? I don't. I don't. 
I don't think Atlanta thinks they botched it. Mm -hmm. um, I think they were walking a tightrope of maybe public that, relations. Uh, That's all. Yeah, valuing the player differently than the fan base does, right? And, and coming off yeah. of a World Series made it more difficult. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of conflicting points of view there. So hmm. I'm staying baseball, and I'm cheating a little bit because last year's success was already compounded with this year's success in terms of free agency. I went with the Phillies as painful as that was for me. Um, Dave Dombrowski came over from Boston. He was a very cyclical baseball operation for Boston in, in that he picked, he picked his spots and he was uber aggressive when he knew it was the right time to strike. That's what we saw in Philly last year. And then again, this year, uh, last year it was about adding home runs, which if you've watched the game of baseball over the past five years, that's what most teams do is they try to sell out for guys that can hit 30 home runs up and down that lineup. Um, so Castellanos, you know, those kind of bats come in. Schwarber's barely making $20 million a year. It's like $19.8 million. And he had done it for Boston. He had done it for Washington. He had done it for the Cubs. He was a proven commodity. He was a slam dunk to hit 30 home runs. He changed everything. He led off for that team <laughs> on their way to the World Series. He led off as their power hitter. So just the, uh, the mindset of the GM and the and the process in the front office last year, Philadelphia. And I think all of us would agree that they were a year away last offseason and, and starting in April. That wasn't a team that was supposed to be in the World Series this past year. Now they are, because now they've trumped that conversation and that and that 2022 offseason with Trey Turner and with two starting pitchers to supplement the back end of the rotation. So now Trey Turner may be one of the best leadoff hitters in the base in the game of baseball right now at a ridiculous price is the final piece to this puzzle. Th this is this is easily one of the top two, three teams in the National League. And it's because of free agency. <laughs> it's really there's really no other way to put it. Most teams aren't going this route anymore. They're trying to, to nickel and dime themselves and build through their draft and international signings. Dave Dombrowski is doing the same shit he did in Boston that worked twice for him there and is probably going to work for him in Philadelphia. So I give him credit. And I give the ownership credit for uh, letting him be this way in, in a in a league that is slowly moving away from this, as you mentioned, Dan, with free agency. It, Dave Dombrowski sort of the king of like YOLO and setting shit on fire and then like exiting with like no, no, pro you know what I mean? He did, he did this in Mont like he, he was in the front office of Montreal when they made some some major trades. Florida, I mean, that was more of an ownership thing, but then he went to Detroit. He went to Boston. He went to Philly. He everywhere he goes, he makes major moves, signs major contracts, trades major prospects, and then um, they win stuff. And then he moves along. So it's like I'm always curious, like if those fan bases like love him or hate him as they're like going through the dog years of yeah, like the both, right? But but who's probably but, a love hate roller coaster. <laughs> to my point, we see this right now with the Trey Turner contract, who like nobody really thinks he's going to be valuable at age 40 getting paid, you know, that valuable. But um, yeah, I give him credit. Like you said, ownership lets him do, you know, ownership lets him maneuver like this and he's done it and his moves are typically spot on and they work out. So I'm not dogging him yeah. for it. I just think it's like incredible how, um, you know, he kind of torches the, you know, he like sets flame as he closes the door to the building. I just love that there's a plan. You can, you can clearly define the plan. 
from an outside you know viewer looking in. You can clearly see exactly what he's thinking. Honestly, the Buffalo Bills had this. You could you could 100% define what they, the Dallas Cowboys did this when they drafted four offensive linemen, and then you knew they were going to turn the corner and, and figure out their weapons. So I, I just love when some when, when teams are so obvious, and then it also works out as well. So I, that's I mean the sky's the limit for this team. They've done, in my opinion, a perfect job of putting this puzzle together. Anything else? Or are we moving on to the rookies, guys? Okay, for rookies. Dan, uh, Scott, take it away. Yeah, I'm going uh, Paulo Bancaro, NBA. Yeah. Obviously, my neck of the woods. But I- I'm going to go with him for the fact It's been like two months, man. <laughs> it has been. But that two months has been, you know, again, it's going to put the Orlando Magic in a direction that they finally need to go in. Uh, mm-hmm. all, all of the, you know, when he's on the court, it's a completely different team. They're going to actually probably be, you know, either a free agent destination for someone that want to go play with him, or they're going to make a trade that's really going to set them up really well moving forward. But keep in mind, this was a this was a player that wasn't necessarily going to be that top pick, and all no. of a sudden, as things got close, things shifted. Wasn't it and- wild? Remember how the the odds changed like eight minutes well, before the draft? It. it yeah, because Woj, if I remember correctly, yeah. if it was not him, I apologize. But, you know, some hat tip that, you know, a tweet that went out that was all of a sudden shifting towards him and everyone was pivoting quickly. Mm-hmm. And so for him to be at the top there and he's seems to be the guy right now. Um, it's not even close, right? I haven't watched much of Houston, or, or, but it's not even close, yeah. right? No, it's not even close right now, especially with Chet not being able to play. And Jabari is just there right now. Uh, you have some guys down the line that are, you know, potential superstars if they continue at the path that they're at. But at the top, Paolo is definitely setting himself apart from the rookie standpoint. Can't argue that, man. Dan, what do you got for us? Rookies of the year. I already talked about Julio Rodriguez. I think he's sort of the yeah. obvious one. So I'll go in a different direction here. I think Adley Rutschman um, is is just a really exciting player, specifically from like a positional standpoint. We see a lot of outfielders, shortstops, those kind of guys come up through the ranks. Very rarely do we see like a top prospect catcher um, hit the ground running in his major league debut. And he, I mean, he pretty, single, pretty much single-handedly got called up and made them into um, wild card contenders down the stretch. Um, he, from the start, he looked the part. Um, and for a team in an organization with really good prospect um, capital, a really good front office, that is a major, major check mark in terms of rebuilding and in the future success of that team. When you can pretty much pencil that player in to be a, you know, a middle of the order hitter, good defensively captain type material corner, your franchise cornerstone of your franchise type of guy. That's a really critical part. Um, you know, ignition piece to, to starting this rebuild off, if you will. So I, I think, the emergence of Adley Rushman was very exciting to see on, on a couple layers here. For- I think it's super similar to your Paulo comment with Orlando, Scott. I think it's that one standout star that every small market team needs to jump fire and to honestly to 
to, to, to show the ownership, okay, it's time to start spending money. <laughs> We've got that one guy. Let's start to put that. So I think in both cases, you're going to see that over the next three seasons. Um, I'm in a much bigger market. And again, I'm cheating, but I'm cheating with data. Um, <laughs> I've got two players, and they're on the same freaking team. You know why? Because they're both going to win rookie of the year for the NFL. The, the, the NFL rookies of the year, offense and defense, are both coming from the Jets guys, and it's not even close. And you can look at betting odds to, to back that up. It's going to be Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, and it's going to be Sauce Gardner, the cornerback. They are far and away going to be the rookies of the year from the same team. How many times has that happened? Twice before this. Twice since 19, what is it, 67? Twice has it been the same team. The first year, 1967 with the Lions, and then 2017, Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. That's it. So this Jets story is going to round back into former, even though they're going to miss the postseason and the quarterback position is a complete dumpster fire. But they have the core. They have the star running back, Brees Hall, whenever he improves. Garrett Wilson is a star wide receiver. He's a number one. They've got two or three offensive linemen they can definitely count on. And that defensive line was good coming into the season, got better this year. Now you put Sauce Gardner back there as that like true, you know, Darrell Revis shutdown player. Ah, look out. Look, you're going to start hearing about all the quarterbacks wanting to be there, in, in my opinion. All these free agent or trade or trade candidates. The Jets are going to be involved in these conversations because there's a six or eight player core now established and really uh, rounded out with these two guys. Dan, did you make any of these bets? I know you were big on Garrett Wilson out of the gate. Um, I know. I mean, we don't really have the market where we live to, yeah. to get it on too much of that stuff. But um, no, I mean, I like I like Garrett Wilson as a prospect. I, I mean, really, the whole the whole wide re- you could pick maybe what six seven wide receivers that could probably contend for that. But yeah, well, um, definitely in point, this conversation. Yeah, yeah. To your greater point, the Jets excellent draft class. They probably have some guys beyond those two that could probably contend for rookie of the year in their hmm. uh, category. So. All right, let's go to the big stuff, the big finish, our financial stories of the year. Mine's super easy, so I'm just going to go first. Mine's Aaron Judge. I don't even know how you changed that conversation, right? I mean, we've talked about it at nauseum the entire season because he deserved it. I mean, the the out, outward public-facing offer from Brian Cashman that has been tossed back and forth, even just on our show with between Dan and I, I think we, we still disagree as to whether that was a good or bad decision for the Yankees. Um, the mid season arbitration filing because of the COVID stuff, which was super unique. The obviously the home run chase, obviously the triple crown chase and the success of the Yankees. The Yankees remember were historic for like four months of that season. They were on pace for, the most wins in the history of Major League Baseball. So everything about that season um, in stripes was as top billing as you could have asked for. So we'll see where it goes from here. Obviously, the, that marriage will continue, and that's going to continue this story, financially speaking. But to to turn down $200 million plus, bet on yourself, have the year you had, and then turn it into, what, $360 million five months later, that's... That's unarguably the best financial story of the year. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I can't uh, complain about that one. I'm going off the board with this one. I'm going PGA versus Live Tour Golf. Yeah. For the fact that it brought 
golf really back into the conversation on multiple levels, whether it's, you know, our, our show, um, you know, mainstream media, the back and forth, the, the legalities of can players play in major championships or not, uh, Tiger Woods coming back, the Rory that we've already talked about, guys jumping mm -hmm. ship for Liv, the, the amount of money that Liv was throwing out there. And then finally, you know, PGA sort of being their hand being forced to really raise the stakes on multiple uh, tournaments and raising the level on their championship bonuses. And it's, it's forcing golf to really go to the next level, whether that's good from, you know, the live standpoint or the PGA standpoint, regardless, it's, it's bringing golf to the forefront and, you know, when Charles Barkley is being talked about and going to live and he's going on shows and talking about it, you know, f just from uh, an overall standpoint, golf being in the, uh, at the, the spotlight, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, it, it, that stands out to me. I, I like yours for sure. Um, but I, I'm going off the cuff here. I couldn't go there until live gets a, a broadcast partner. I think it's going to happen um, maybe in the next few weeks here, honestly, Scott. But I just don't know if it's got traction. You want to give it the one-year review? That's fine because we we did talk about it every single week. Every single tournament that finished, it, was, it wasn't about who won. It was about who's going to leave, who's jumping ship now. That's just what every week was. So whether that continues or not, we'll see. But I just can't give that, that league any real credit or any real stamina until Fox jumps in and starts to broadcast them on FS1 or wherever the hell is going to happen here, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. But the fact that the PGA itself in the United States is coming to more in the spotlight and they're they're mm -hmm. raising their purses, they're they're trying to promote some of these younger kids that are you know coming to the the, the forefront now that some are not there anymore. It's just a it, they're going in the right direction and they're shifting their schedule going into the 2024 season. They're just making some moves that needed to have happened and they, their hand was forced. So I'm interested to see where golf in general goes over the next you know, sure. year or two. What do you got, Dan? <clears throat> I'll be quick because – Mike kind of covered this a lot. I, I really think, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, I really think the entire Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson situation yeah. is is kind of my um, financial story of the year, if you will. I, I, this had this is going to be the story that uh, the situation that keeps on giving. I mean, this we don't know if this affected the Devontae Adams stuff, but he ended up leaving, going to Oakland, split. Oh, Apart from you know the dynamic duo of, duo of Aaron Rodgers, we think Nate Hackett got hired in Denver because of Aaron Rodgers. It didn't happen. Nate Hackett, it's a disaster this year. He gets fired. Um, I mean, even backing up further, they trade for they give up a massive haul for Ro Russell Wilson. Immediately sign him. It's a disaster. And immediately, or I mean, what a week ago, you're putting out a piece on how do they you know can they get out of this contract? It's just. The ripple effect of like the different, you know, the four teams kind of involved that that have been like looped into this. And 
I, I mean, is the Devontae Adams contract, is that going to look bad? And is that going to have, you know what I mean? It's just a wormhole. No, I'm you know? for, for getting this point, and I'm so glad you brought it up. We, we're going to finish the, the pod this way. It is not incorrect to blame Aaron Rodgers for the Denver Broncos situation. Because there's no doubt in my mind, and we all, all the sharp people that we listen to across the board had not only Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams going to Denver at some point. It, that's how cl- close this thing was. And you're right. The Hackett signing was not an accident. That was the cart that was supposed to bring Aaron Rodgers into Denver. When that didn't happen, so many things backtracked. So I'm so glad you said this, Dan, because that's, that's going to be forgotten here you know, nine months ago in this whole conversation, that that was the plan. That's what we were all expecting to hear March 17th when the league year opened is Aaron Rodgers has been traded to the Denver Broncos for whatever the hell you want to say. And it didn't happen. That's why Russell Wilson's trade didn't happen until three, four days later. You know, you put together a trade like that in February. You can't wait to announce it. There's no way that thing was ready March 17th. It wasn't ready because it was plan B, maybe even plan C in the Broncos path. So, Aaron Rodgers as our top viewed player, maybe that's another more ammo to that whole discussion because he wasn't even supposed to be back in Green Bay. It was going to be the Raiders. It was going to be the Broncos. They were 49ers for a big pro, you know, uh, an odds-on favorite to get Aaron Rodgers. The Jets were in that conversation. So it, you're right, Dan. Me, that Those things all have to be looped together because the drama that Rodgers brought internally bled out and and essentially torpedoed the Broncos season. Well, even the Seattle stuff, right? I mean, for the last four or five years now, we've been thinking Pete Carroll's the donkey who just wants to run the ball. When in reality, we sort of see that he was playing to Russell Wilson's strengths. And then he, you know, he gets rid of Russ Wilson and says, Gino's running the system I wanted to this whole time. So like the whole thing was just like a, a, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of uh, pulling back the curtain on multiple different storylines. So I think that for me, this is, we're going to be talking about the ramifications of this trade for, for years to come. So that that's a big one in my book, even though we've all laid this out numerous times that, that it's a huge piece. Uh, Scott, any, any shots here? I have one. Anything, anything, how about this? How about a bold prediction for 2023? Well, Go let ahead. me say this first before any bold predictions. One, the so I ran the top contracts that have been signed in 2022. There were three player contracts of 300 million or more. Four total, if you throw in Tom Brady getting 375 for Fox whenever that happens. There were 12, 200 plus million and 40 hundred plus million i mean mm-hmm. we the, the the total value of the contracts that we're talking about are just astonishing and i went back and looked and you know we didn't have any 300 million i don't think the year before and now the, the being at 12 for 200 million it's going to be interesting to see where the total value of these contracts goes over the next few years especially with the nba cap going up and the maximum salaries that are allowable and you know where does major league baseball go where does the nfl go as far as you know is who's that next massive superstar who's going to get a 200 million plus contract so i i found it really interesting to see that we're you know 
56 plus contracts that are 100 million plus where you know five six seven years ago we probably were maybe half of that unheard of yeah unheard of right i mean baseball had a couple of old dogs still doing that but no it's it's the norm now in most of these sports even in hockey we're seeing a couple of those trickle in um dan any parting thoughts um not specifically i do think um i kind of remember we did this last year like predictions going forward i remember one thing i wanted to sort of see was um uh, a more mainstream focus slash um like understanding of betting um principles and incorporating those into more mainstream things like um like the like a like an nfl broadcast um i I think we made a lot of just to kind of review that oh yeah a lot of i mean sports betting became legal in a number of states this year so um i think a lot of that has been brought along with it but um you know we're seeing like the amazon prime broadcasts which offers like a totally unique view for people um I, i know it's not betting related but we're seeing the nickelodeon broadcasts um which have pretty good reviews among young people uh you know parents younger people um, so I, I think there's a like the content is genuinely going towards the right direction. I think there's a little bit of a lag in terms of um, the people who are delivering that content. Um, you know, Troy Aikman, guys like that, trying yeah. to teach the viewer um, and relay the right info. But I do. Th- I was pleasantly surprised that a number of things sort of started to trend in that direction, um, and for being kind of the first crack at it. Um, I was sort of happy to see that some legacy stuff fell fell away and we're going to kind of go that direction. But no, I mean, going forward, I think um, like just to focus, um, you know, stay in my lane kind of thing. I think the Otani stuff is going to dominate 2023 yeah. for me and for us specifically. He's probably going to break the model um, in terms of AAV, total contract, how you even go about valuing a contract. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of dig into that and see um, – you know, get some more outside perspectives on, you know, from smarter people than us and how that's all, all going to play. Here's, here's my question for you. Your, your bold prediction for 2023. Ready? Does a tax paying team win the World Series next year? Yes. Yeah. Scott? I'm going to agree with Dan. I'm going to say yes this year on that one. Okay. Scott, any bold Even predictions I, from your neck of the woods? All right. I, I was just going to say the numbers. I mean, our numbers back it up. You spend money, it gets you into the playoffs, get into the dance, mm-hmm. and you have a shot, right? I mean, I'm not trying to take pull the, the rug out from. I, I root for a small market team base, but it, it's just spend. Yeah, you're money. basically saying 85% of the league doesn't have a chance right now, is what you're saying, though. Yeah, and 15% does, which means 15% of the time, some of those teams will ride a wave into the postseason or, or make it to the World Series. It's all totally possible. But I mean, even Atlanta, who we've we've praised for being so financially conscious with all these extensions they they're now across the the tax threshold so just the the field of possibilities is dwindling in terms of talented teams that aren't spending money across that threshold so go ahead sorry scott Mm -hmm. yeah my bold prediction in my neck of the woods here is going to be a small market bottom forbes sportico valuation team is going to win the nba championship oh yeah like Memphis, Memphis, New Orleans, Cleveland, 
it's it's going to be one of those teams I'm going with. Well, you got to tell us which one so we can bet it right yeah, now. I, I, that's exactly <laughs> what I want to know. I got fan, I got it pulled up right now. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I mean, like it. That's a good prediction. My mine is on. I'm proud of you for not mentioning the word Lakers, by the way, in this past hour. I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm going Denver is my team that is going to get it all. Mike, is yours a LeBron trade on that note? On the Lakers note? Yeah. Can can Scott trade LeBron this week or no? My (laughs) God, world. Just leave it alone. Let him be bad for a year, would you? Go read my piece. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Here's my bold prediction, and it's big, but I'm going to simplify this. Um, no other position in the NFL matters but the quarterback position. We've been tinkering around that for a while. A lot of people are, are saying it kind of you know, haphazardly. We just had an offseason where you know, 50% of the wide receivers either got a contract or moved. And I'm talking about the top three in the league, not named Justin Jefferson. And he's going to get get paid this coming off season. Uh, I don't know that there's a single situation where 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 a team that paid a wide receiver this year is super is super happy about it. It just didn't it just didn't matter. You could they could have been on a rookie contract. They could have been on a thirty million dollar. It just didn't matter. We're going to go through the exact same iteration with running backs this year. There's going to be between eight and twelve running backs that get some kind of money, whether it's four million, whether it's fifteen million. Um, but it's going to be all over the news because there's a, a phenomenal list out there. And I don't think it's going to move the needle one iota. Now, you want to tell me McCaffrey, the 49ers, move the needle? I, I can I can start to have that conversation. But that's like Patrick Holmes changing teams. Okay, he's just a different animal. He's an anomaly kind, kind of player. So, look, the Giants have no business being a good football team. But Daniel Jones figured out how to play quarterback with his coaching staff. That's the only thing that changed. Not, everything, nothing else changed in that Giants team. Daniel Jones got better. Jared Goff got into a system. He's a good quarterback. And he got into a system that he got comfortable with. And he got some trust. Yeah, there's a couple of players in that team. There's no question about it. They're overachieving for, uh, for what they should have been in 2022. But the NFL is 99.9% quarterback driven right now. And there's just no two shakes about it. There are small, minute anomalies, right? T.J. Watt changes the landscape of the Pittsburgh Steelers completely, 100%. There are certain instances of that, but they are they are dwindling every single year. Uh, that's scary. That's that's danger zone for a league this big to have that much power in 32 hands, which is what you now have. It's a dangerous slope, financially speaking, from a business standpoint. From a network standpoint, right? Because if any of these guys go down, right? I, I mean, you're you're off of prime time, basically. You're you're toast. So it's it's something to really monitor. And by the way, the answer I don't think is to devalue the quarterback. I'm not saying take any money away. I think the answer is to have two or three. So Dan and I had a conversation about Baker Mayfield being like a stopgap for Matthew Stafford. I think it might be the smartest move in, in football this offseason. To, pay that guy, to give that guy a four-year backup contract with incentives to get to $30 million a year or something. That's where teams have to go. Like, you can know the Miami Dolphins should be a five-seed right now, but they're not because their starting quarterback has three concussions, their backup got hurt, and their, their, you know, their third stringer is a practice squad guy. Teams have to start thinking differently. 
They have to start paying. We can sell this with goalies in hockey, Dan. Stop paying one guy 30. Start paying two guys 15. Um, I think we're going to start to get there. And you may still pay a starting quarterback 40, 45 million a year, right? But you buy a backup quarterback that can win you eight ball games because that Cleveland Browns team was probably good enough to, to, to contend for their division. That Baltimore team is definitely good enough, and they're they're falling off the plate without Lamar the past four weeks. So uh, it's a conversation that's going to continue to gain momentum. And to me, that's that's my only takeaway from the NFL this year is that the quarterback got even more powerful if that's even humanly possible. Yeah, we literally saw it a week ago, Mike. Your point was played out perfectly with Jalen Hurts. I mean, AJ Brown yeah. misses if AJ Brown misses a game, the line might change a point, point and a half, if that. Jalen Hurts misses, and you you actually knew before he that he was injured. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you knew before it was reported he was injured that something was going on because that line changed. Um, mm-hmm. I think almost five points before the news right. even broke. So I mean, it, it's just a perfect, and they have a competent backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew, right? So it's to your point. I mean, the quarterback just rules the NFL, and well, it's kind of hard to get around it. I mean, the fact that one player can shift mm-hmm. that many points you're you're not getting that in other sports you're not going to get that in basketball or in hockey or baseball you know for, so for one player to have that much power on a team it definitely says something i completely agree with the we're at a point in the nfl where teams need to really start developing their backup quarterbacks better yeah. you know and that's a different conversation too they have the reps they, they, the NFL yes. team almost has to sign an entire practice squad roster, you know, to, to basically say, we need you ready at a moment's notice because it can't just be we're throwing you in and the offense has to come down to simple, you know, ABC. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, Scott, is they there are teams that have good backup quarterbacks, but they sit on their asses for 10 weeks and then get thrown cold turkey into big situations. So, yeah, it's it's brutal. You guys, you guys obviously didn't watch Brock Purdy versus Jared Stidham yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted it all right? The 49ers are normally in this entire conversation. Let's get out of here. Good year, guys. Let's do it again. Any Scott, any spot trek bold predictions or announcements for 2023 you want to throw out there? Um I'll say expect more of the contract next contract series. I think that did really well this year. We kind of started that uh, in 2022. So with 2023, I think expect more of that from not only uh, from the NBA standpoint with Keith writing those, um, hopefully we'll see more of that in the NFL and major league baseball. Dan, is it a good or bad baseball year? I know you mentioned Otani, but we just had a crazy off season and a crazy judge Yankees year. Can baseball can't replicate that, right? It's going to have to be a step back. I mean, they're so bad at marketing their product that I'm going to say they're (laughs) going to step back because, I mean, naturally they could step forward by just sort of riding the wave of what just happened. But, um, no, I think it'll be fine. Um, I mean, from our standpoint, I'm going to be super focused on um, just sort of refining some of the data on on spotrack.com, some of the more nuanced stuff like, 
um, rule four, rule five, draft type stuff, arbitration, non-tenders, uh, you know, anything that the nerds will love, um, will be focused on that. So I think, uh, keep an eye out for some of that stuff, but no, I think it's going to be a great year going forward. Um, yeah, and I think we'll meld a line. few of those, right? We'll, we'll get some next contract series for some of those younger kids like the Ad, Adley Rushman's of the world, right? And, and kind of try to placate where those pre-arb contracts could fall in because that's next. That's coming. Yep. Yeah, so we're we're really uh, tackling some some data that has kind of aged on us and uh, going to get it back up and, and have some content surrounding that. So, <clears throat> All right. Well, I, my, uh, my parting shot is similar to what I just said, but it's going to be another year of the quarterback. <laughs> we got a salary cap at 225. We've got Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, maybe Tua, probably not Tua, uh, just to name a few, who are going to cash in gigantic extensions this year, this uh, this March and April. Probably historic ex- extensions based on all the things that are coming together here and the conversation that we're having. So, and oh by the way, there's I think four first round quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. So, that's going to be the play. That's going to be what we're talking about for the next three, four months is all this quarterback shuffling. And uh, I, like I said, it's as important, if not more important, than it's ever, ever been. We'll see you in 2023, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot.